Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your word that speaks to each of us. And I pray that tonight that you will open our ears and our minds and our hearts, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear it afresh and be transformed by it. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Before Moses stood at the top of Mount Nebo and looked at the promised land that he would never actually cross into himself. Before Moses stood before Pharaoh and shouted, let my people go. Before he raised a staff and parted the waters of the Red Sea to carry his people into the wilderness. Before he stood at a bush that was burning and yet not consumed and removed his sandals, for he was standing on holy ground, before he was a murderer forced into the wilderness, before he was raised in the court of Pharaoh, he was a baby boy, an itty-bitty baby boy, born of a woman in a time so dangerous to be a child. You see, Pharaoh had issued this decree that all of the boys born to the Hebrews should be destroyed, thrown into the river, killed. Because you see, the Hebrews, when they had gone to Egypt during the time of Jacob, during the time of Joseph and the famine, when Israel first went there, they began to proliferate. More and more of them were born, and so the Egyptians began to worry that all of these, these Hebrews were going to become a political threat to them. So they wanted to do something to cease how they would grow, and killing the firstborn and, and the other sons of the Hebrews seemed to be the way to do that. So any male child that was born was to be killed. And I was thinking about... What a terrifying time that would have been to be a woman and a mother with a child. I was thinking about that um, because as I'm in the midst of this pregnancy, I'm taking part in this research study at Johns Hopkins where I'm a guinea pig about, um, about I'm the control group. I'm a healthy woman who doesn't take any medications, and so I'm the control group for this study about how pregnancy affects women. And John thinks it's crazy that I'm doing this, but I think it's kind of fun. And so I go down, and they ask me all these questions, and they draw my blood, and they make me spit in a tube so that they can test all these different markers. And as part of that study, I have to fill out all these questionnaires about the history of all of my children and all of my pregnancies. It's kind of hard to keep it straight. I'm going through like, okay, the first one was this, and the second one was this. And I'm going through this list trying to, to keep them all straight. And I was thinking about that today uh, as I was down there for this appointment, thinking about these Hebrew women, how they didn't have any technology. They didn't have any way to know if the child they were, were carrying was a male or a female. They had no way of knowing if 
They were going through all of this pain for a child that would be taken from them immediately and, and destroyed. Or if it would be a baby girl. They had no way of knowing. You know, there's those, all those old wives' tales. Like, well, if you're craving salty things, it must be a boy. If you're craving sweet things, it must be a girl. They, they just had no way of knowing. And there are so many amazing women in this story. Some names, some that aren't. These midwives, Shifra and Pua, who we don't even mention today. But they have names in the Bible because they protected and preserved these young Hebrew boys. But here, we get to this part of the story where Moses' mother, Yohanan, finally has this baby. And she already had a daughter and she already had a son. You know how it is. If you've already got one of each, everybody says, well, what do you want to have? And, and say, I just want a baby that's healthy. A baby that's, that's going to be mine that I can have grow with me. And it breaks my heart at this part of the story because I'm thinking, was Yohebed just so brokenhearted when she saw that it was a boy? She had no way to prepare for what was going to happen. She just had to have faith and, and hope and trust that this child was going to be okay. And the scripture, it tells us that when she looked at him, he was healthy and beautiful. It's this word tov, tov in Hebrew. It's the same word we see at creation when God is creating and he looks at all the things that he's made, and it is good. Tov. So Moses, this little infant baby boy, is not just beautiful and healthy, but he is good the way that God was so thankful that creation was. And she has to hide him. And that's hard work. His babies, they, even the little ones scream and they cry. <laughs> she hid him for three months. And then she put him... When she could no longer hide him, she put him in a basket. And this is, we call these Moses baskets. But it's something similar to this. And you have to wonder, did she leave that basket herself? She didn't just go to Walmart and pick it up. But how did she get it? And she covered it with pitch on the outside. And she took this baby and put him in the basket, carried him down to the edge of the water, and placed him among the reeds. Now, they get this wrong sometimes in shows. If you've ever seen some movies, little baby Moses just kind of goes sweeping down like he's whitewater rafting in the Nile. But no, she placed him in the reeds. Now, it was important to put him there, A, so he wouldn't just drown. And also, what's in the, what's in the Nile that we're scared of? Crocodiles. Now, the crocodiles would have been up along the beach just sunning themselves. But putting him in the reeds protected him. And it especially gave him a place where he was in close proximity to Pharaoh's daughter. And as she went down to bathe herself, we don't know if this was Ramses II, he had about 60 daughters. You think a lot of weddings. <laughs> and one of them, she noticed this basket among the reeds. And when she opened it, she saw the child that was there. She said, this must be one of the Hebrews' children. And the scripture here says she felt sorry for him. 
really, she had compassion for him. She recognized that this little child had some value that she needed to spare. Just, just perfectly placed over along the side of the river was an older sister keeping watch on her brother, Miriam. Miriam was watching all of this unfold, and she had the foresight to run over to Pharaoh's daughter and say, would you like me to go find one of the Hebrew women to be a nurse for him? And Pharaoh's daughter agreed, yes, do that. And so who did the girl get? Her mother, who was also Moses' mother. And that's one of the best parts of this story, because Yohanan got hired to nurse her child. How many women think that's a great thing? <laughs> Not only were you scared that he wasn't going to survive, but now you can see that this act of love in giving him up has not only found him a place of safety, but you also get to watch over him in those most formative years. It's amazing the way that God is working in this story. We have this term we use in the church, especially in the Wesleyan church, uh, that we call prevenient grace. That's the grace of God that's at work in our lives even before we're aware of it. We talk about that a lot. Those little places where people are interceding and they interject some aspect of God's amazing power and love into your life at just the right moment, just the right time. And we're not even necessarily aware of how God is doing it. But when we look at this story, it has prevenient grace written all over it. It's Moses being this child who God had an amazing plan in place for. Who this, this woman, this daughter of Pharaoh, who wasn't even a worshiper of the God of the Hebrews, I mean, she would have been part of, and of the cultic religions of the Egyptian people, but yet God was still using her to preserve this life, a life that was going to end up freeing all of the chosen people of God. And then even for Miriam here to have an opportunity to be an agent of God's grace in the life of her little brother. How amazing is it to look and see God's hand all over this? And if we think about it, when we're thinking about what sainthood is, it's these people that come into our lives that God uses as agents of his power and God's grace, even if we don't know how to call it that. So we celebrate what's happened here with these women who are able to risk so much. Moses' mother could have been killed if they found out she was trying to save this baby boy. They could have destroyed their whole family if she'd been found out. Pharaoh's daughter could have gotten into trouble on her own if her father had not accepted this child that she wanted to bring into the household. And who knows what could have happened to Miriam for even venturing to speak to someone of Pharaoh's household. And they were brave and bold, and the grace of God was moving to bring this moment of safety, security, and amazing grace for Moses. So today, 
we're thinking about the saints of God and how they are agents of God's grace in our lives. And you all have a little slip of paper in your hands. And when we think about All Saints Day, we always remember those who have gone before us, those who have passed away. But as you think about today, as we reflect on this scripture, I want you to think about who are those people in your life who were agents of God's grace, who have acted in some way to protect you, to keep you safe, to help you know of God's amazing love. And as you come to share in Holy Communion, I want you to bring the name of that saint that you celebrate and place it in the basket. Just as Moses had these amazing saints who placed him in the basket, helped him receive the care of God, I want you to celebrate those people who have gone before in your life to help you know of God's goodness and mercy and love. And we celebrate them today as we come forward. Because when we share in Holy Communion, we say that we are at a table that is not just spread before us for those who are gathered here, but it's actually a meal with all the saints, the communion of saints. So let us celebrate the way God acts throughout his story, throughout all of our lives, are these agents of God's grace. As we celebrate saints like Yoheved, Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam, and all of those saints who have had an imprint on each and every one of us, our spiritual mothers and fathers. Thanks be to God. As we gather, we remember that when Jesus met with his disciples, and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father, and he broke the bread, and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup of wine, and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of all of God's mighty acts. We come today and feast in this, on this holy communion that is just a foretaste of the heavenly banquet to come. Alongside all the saints who have gone before, celebrating God's mercy anew each and every day. Let us pray. Holy God, pour out your spirit among us gathered here. And upon these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until we come in final victory and feast at your heavenly banquet. Until then, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And with the confidence of children of God, we pray as Christ taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is Christ our Lord who invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live at peace with one another. So I remind you that all are welcome to come and share Holy Communion in our church. Uh, we will have communion in one of two ways. You can break a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup, or we also have the special um, gluten, egg, dairy, wheat, and other stuff, but free, but not free of the grace of God. Um, but we have those special allergy wafers if you have dietary needs. Um, and I think Brayden is going to help hold the plate for those tonight um, with Pastor John. So the table is set. Now come and share. And please put the name of your beloved saint into the Moses Because of the all close uh, we're doing things a little bit different than the normal Sunday. Uh, we're going to start from the back, come up the center aisle, and just go over here and see if you just want to do the stewardess move. Flight attendant. Right, and then after we finish, just go over the center around the table, bring back to work, come around through the back, and that way you shouldn't be troubling, you know, tripping over each other. And then, yeah. My dad thought I just went to store this for two girls. <laughs> okay, well, just we're going to start from the back, come up, around, all the way around, and then back to your seats. I'll lay down. It should flip pretty easy. 